two mayors sources say no i've been led astray i've been working for the wrong person there's a man who's been telling me who that he's the mayor there's another man who who's, who's been telling me that no i i am the mayor you can come to my office look at everything what where did you think the office was no no that that's the old uh, that's the old city hall that has nothing to do with anything yes no, no, it's over on the side of town. And so while everything's been going on uh, with the vine that's been growing all over town and the scarecrows that have been missing, and I don't know, there was worry about carnivorous plants at one point in time, but that seems not to be the problem. So, Oleander, we're doing all right. We're doing okay. I, uh, we just got a vine infestation of some sort. So here we go. I mean... What else should we worry about? I mean, pretty good, aren't don't you think? Here's a book club. Social distancing Oktoberfest continues at Oblivion's Family Fun Irish and German Pub. Hey everyone, welcome to the Oleander Book Club on 1130 AM KZOM. This week, part four of The Scarecrow of Oz by... L. Frank Baum. So, hope, hope, hope everyone's enjoying the book so far, and hope everyone's uh, been enjoying the show so far. I mean, we're now in our second month, and, uh, you know, things are going pretty well. I mean, you know, radio stations going, and uh, we got Jones from the uh, VFW drumming, and, uh, oh, here we go. Scarecrow Vaz. Chapter 14, The Frozen Heart. In the hut of Pond, the gardener's boy, Button Bright was the first to awaken in the morning. Leaving his companions still asleep, he went out into the fresh morning air and saw some blackberries growing on bushes in a field not far away. Going to the bushes, he found the berries ripe and sweet, so he began eating them. More bushes were scattered over the fields, so the boy wandered on from bush to bush without paying any heed to where he was wandering. Then a butterfly fluttered by. He gave chase to it and followed it a long way. When he finally paused to look around him, Button Bright could see no sign of Pond's house, nor had he the slightest idea in which direction it lay. "'Well, I'm lost again,' he remarked to himself. "'But never mind.' I've been lost lots of times. Someone is sure to find me." Trot was a little worried about Button Bright when she awoke and found him gone. Knowing how careless he was, she believed that he had strayed away, but felt that he would come back in time, because he had a habit of not staying lost. Pon got the little girl some food for her breakfast, and then together they went out of the hut and stood in the sunshine. Pond's house was some distance off the road, but they could see it from where they stood, and both gave a start of surprise when they discovered two soldiers walking along the roadway and escorting Princess Gloria between them. The poor girl had her hands bound together to prevent her from struggling, and the soldiers rudely dragged her forward when her steps seemed to lag. Behind this group came King Cruel, wearing his jeweled crown and swinging in his hand a slender golden staff with a ball of clustered gems at one end. "'Where are they going?' asked Trot. "'To the house of the Wicked Witch, I fear,' Pon replied. "'Come, let us follow them, for I am sure they intend to harm my dear Gloria.' "'Won't they see us?' she asked timidly. We won't let them. I know a shortcut through the trees to Blinky's house," said he. 
So they hurried away through the trees and reached the house of the witch ahead of the king and his soldiers. Hiding themselves in the shrubbery, they watched the approach of poor Gloria and her escort, all of whom passed so near to them that Pon could have put out a hand and touched his sweetheart had he dared to. Blinky's house had eight sides, with a door and a window in each side. Smoke was coming out of the chimney, and as the guards brought Gloria to one of the doors, it was opened by the old witch in person. She chuckled with evil glee and rubbed her skinny hands together to show the delight with which she greeted her victim, for Blinky was pleased to be able to perform her wicked rites on one so fair and sweet as the princess. Gloria struggled to resist when they bade her enter the house, so the soldiers forced her through the doorway, and even the king gave her a shove as he followed close behind. Pon was so incensed at the cruelty shown Gloria that he forgot all caution and rushed forward to enter the house also, but one of the soldiers prevented him, pushing the gardener's boy away with violence and slamming the door in his face. "'Never mind,' said Trot soothingly, as Pon rose from where he had fallen. "'You couldn't do much to help the poor princess if you were inside. How unfortunate it is that you are in love with her.' "'True,' he answered sadly. "'It is indeed my misfortune. If I did not love her it would be none of my business what the king did to his niece Gloria. But the unlucky circumstance of my loving her makes it my duty to defend her." "'I don't see how you can, duty or no duty,' observed Trot. "'No, I am powerless, for they are stronger than I. But we might peek in through the window and see what they are doing.' Trot was somewhat curious, too, so they crept up to one of the windows and looked in. And it so happened that those inside the witch's house were so busy they did not notice that Pon and Trot were watching them. Gloria had been tied to a stout post in the center of the room, and the king was giving the wicked witch a quantity of money and jewels, which Googly Goo had provided in payment. When this had been done, the king said to her, "'Are you perfectly sure you can freeze this maiden's heart?' so that she will no longer love that low gardener's boy?" "'Sure is witchcraft, your majesty,' the creature replied. "'Then get to work,' said the king. "'There may be some unpleasant features about the ceremony that would annoy me, so I'll bid you good day and leave you to carry out our contract. One word, however. If you fail, I shall burn you at the stake. Then he beckoned to his soldiers to follow him, and, throwing wide the door of the house, walked out. This action was so sudden that King Cruel almost caught Trot and Pon eavesdropping, but they managed to run around the house before he saw them. Away he marched up the road, followed by his men, heartlessly leaving Gloria to the mercies of old Blinky. When they again crept up to the window, Trot and Pon saw Blinky gloating over her victim. Although nearly fainting from fear, the proud princess gazed with haughty defiance into the face of the wicked creature, but she was bound so tightly to the post that she could do no more to express her loathing. Pretty soon Blinky went to a kettle that was swinging by a chain over the fire and tossed into it several magical compounds. The kettle gave three flashes, and at every flash another witch appeared in the room. These hags were very ugly, but when one-eyed Blinky whispered her orders to them, they grinned with joy as they began dancing around Gloria. First one, and then another, cast something into the kettle when, to the astonishment of the watchers at the window, all three of the old women were instantly transformed into maidens of exquisite beauty, dressed in the daintiest costumes imaginable. 
only their eyes could not be disguised, and an evil glare still shone in their depths. But if the eyes were cast down or hidden, one could not help but admire these beautiful creatures, even with the knowledge that they were mere illusions of witchcraft. Trot certainly admired them, for she had never seen anything so dainty and bewitching, but her attention was quickly drawn to their deeds instead of their persons, and then horror replaced admiration. Into the kettle old Blinky poured another mess from a big brass bottle that she took from a chest, and this made the kettle begin to bubble and smoke violently. One by one the beautiful witches approached to stir the contents of the kettle and to mutter a magic charm. Their movements were graceful and rhythmic, and the wicked witch who had called them to her aid watched them with an evil grin upon her wrinkled face. Finally the incantation was complete. The kettle ceased bubbling, and together the witches lifted it from the fire. Then Blinky brought a wooden ladle and filled it from the contents of the kettle. Going with the spoon to Princess Gloria, she cried, Love no more! Magic art now will freeze your mortal heart. With this she dashed the contents of the ladle full upon Gloria's breast. Trot saw the body of the princess become transparent, so that her beating heart showed plainly. But now the heart turned from a vivid red to gray, and then to white. A layer of frost formed about it, and tiny icicles clung to its surface. Then slowly the body of the girl became visible again, and the heart was hidden from view. Gloria seemed to have fainted, but now she recovered and, opening her beautiful eyes, stared coldly and without emotion at the group of witches confronting her. Blinky and the others knew by that one cold look that their charm had been successful. They burst into a chorus of wild laughter, and the three beautiful ones began dancing again, while Blinky unbound the princess and set her free. Trot rubbed her eyes to prove that she was wide awake and seeing clearly, for her astonishment was great when the three lovely maidens turned into ugly, crooked hags again, leaning on broomsticks and canes. They jeered at Gloria, but the princess regarded them with cold disdain. Being now free, she walked to a door, opened it, and passed out, and the witches let her go. Trot and Pon had been so intent upon this scene that in their eagerness they had pressed quite hard against the window. Just as Gloria went out of the house, the window-sash broke loose from its fastenings and fell with a crash into the room. The witches uttered a chorus of screams, and then, seeing that their magical incantation had been observed, they rushed for the open window with uplifted broomsticks and canes. But Pon was off like the wind, and Trot followed at his heels. Fear lent them strength to run, to leap across ditches, to speed up the hills, and to vault the low fences as a deer would. The band of witches had dashed through the window in pursuit, but Blinky was so old, and the others so crooked and awkward, that they soon realized they would be unable to overtake the fugitives. So the three who had been summoned by the wicked witch put their canes or broomsticks between their legs and flew away through the air, quickly disappearing against the blue sky. Blinky, however, was so enraged at Pon and Trot that she hobbled on in the direction they had taken, fully determined to catch them in time and to punish them terribly for spying upon her witchcraft. When Pon and Trot had run so far that they were confident they had made good their escape, they sat down near the edge of a forest to get their breath again, for both were panting hard from their exertions. Trot was the first to recover speech, and she said to her companion, My, 
Wasn't it terrible? The most terrible thing I ever saw, Pon agreed. And they froze Gloria's heart. So now she can't love you any more. Well, they froze her heart to be sure, admitted Pon. But I'm in hopes I can melt it with my love. Where do you suppose Gloria is? asked the girl after a pause. She left the witch's house just before we did. Perhaps she has gone back to the king's castle, he said. I'm pretty sure she started off in a different direction, declared Trot. I looked over my shoulder as I ran to see how close the witches were, and I'm sure I saw Gloria walking slowly away toward the north. Then let us circle around that way, proposed Pon, and perhaps we shall meet her. Trot agreed to this, and they left the grove and began to circle around toward the north, thus drawing nearer and nearer to old Blinky's house again. The wicked witch did not suspect this change of direction, so when she came to the grove she passed through it and continued on. Pon and Trot had reached a place less than a half a mile from the witch's house when they saw Gloria walking toward them. The princess moved with great dignity, and with no show of haste whatsoever, holding her head high and looking neither to right nor left. Pon rushed forward, holding out his arms as if to embrace her, and calling her sweet names. But Gloria gazed upon him coldly and repelled him with a haughty gesture. At this the poor gardener's boy sank upon his knees and hid his face in his arms, weeping bitter tears. But the princess was not at all moved by his distress. Passing him by, she drew her skirts aside, as if unwilling they should touch him, and then she walked up the path away and hesitated, as if uncertain where to go next. Trot was grieved by Pon's sobs and indignant because Gloria treated him so badly, but she remembered why. "'I guess your heart is frozen all right,' she said to the princess. Gloria nodded gravely in reply, and then turned her back upon the little girl. "'Can't you like even me?' asked Trot, half-pleadingly. "'No,' said Gloria. "'Your voice sounds like a refrigerator.' sighed the little girl. I'm awful sorry for you, cause you were sweet and nice to me before this happened. You can't help it, of course, but it's a dreadful thing just the same. My heart is frozen to all mortal loves, announced Gloria calmly. I do not love even myself. That's too bad, said Trot, for if you can't love anybody you can't expect anybody to love you. I do, cried Pon. I shall always love her. Well, you're just a gardener's boy, replied Trot, and I didn't think you mounted too much from the first. I can love the old Princess Gloria with a warm heart and nice manners, but this one gives me the shivers. It's her icy heart, that's all, said Pon. That's enough, insisted Trot. Seeing her heart isn't big enough to skate on, I can't see that she's of any use to anyone. For my part, I'm going to try to find Button Bright and Cap'n Bill. I will go with you, decided Pon. It is evident that Gloria no longer loves me, and that her heart is frozen too stiff for me to melt with my own love. Ah, therefore I may as well help you find your friends. As Trot started off, Pon cast one more imploring look at the princess who returned it with a chilly stare. So he followed after the little girl. As for the princess, she hesitated a moment and then turned in the same direction the others had taken, but going far more slowly. Soon she heard footsteps pattering behind her, and up came Googly Goo, a little out of breath with running. "'Stop, Gloria!' he cried. "'I have come to take you back to my mansion where we are to be married." She looked at him wonderingly a moment, then tossed her head disdainfully and walked on. But Googly Goo kept beside her. "'What does this mean?' he demanded. "'Haven't you discovered that you no longer love that gardener's boy who stood in my way?' "'Yes, I have discovered it,' 
she replied. My heart is frozen to all mortal loves. I cannot love you, or Pon, or the cruel king, my uncle, or even myself. Go your way, Googly Goo, for I will wed no one at all. He stopped in dismay when he heard this, but in another minute he exclaimed angrily, You must wed me, Princess Gloria, whether you want to or not. I pay to have your heart frozen. I also pay the king to permit our marriage. If you now refuse me, it will mean that I have been robbed, robbed, robbed of my precious money and jewels. He almost wept with despair, but she laughed a cold, bitter laugh and passed on. Googly Goo caught at her arm as if to restrain her, but she whirled and dealt him a blow that sent him reeling into a ditch beside the path. Here he lay for a long time, half covered by muddy water, dazed with surprise. Finally the old courtier arose, dripping, and climbed from the ditch. The princess had gone, so, muttering threats of vengeance upon her, upon the king, and upon Blinky, old Googly Goo hobbled back to his mansion to have the mud removed from his costly velvet clothes. End of chapter 14 Chapter 15 Trot Meets the Scarecrow Trot and Pon covered many leagues of ground, searching through forests, in fields, and in many little villages of Jinxland, but could find no trace of either Cap'n Bill or Button Bright. Finally they paused beside a cornfield and sat upon a stile to rest. Pon took some apples from his pocket and gave one to Trot. Then he began eating another himself, for this was their time for luncheon. When his apple was finished, Pon tossed the core into the field. "'Chuck, chuck said a strange voice. "'What do you mean by hitting me in the eye with an apple core?' Then rose up the form of the scarecrow, who had hidden himself in the cornfield, while he examined Pon and Trot and decided whether they were worthy to be helped. "'Excuse me,' said Pon. "'I didn't know you were there.' "'How did you happen to be there anyhow?' asked Trot. The Scarecrow came forward with awkward steps and stood beside them. "'Ah, you are the gardener's boy,' he said to Pon. Then he turned to Trot. "'And you are the little girl who came to Jinxland riding on a big bird.' and who has had the misfortune to lose her friend, Cap'n Bill, and her chum, Button Bright. "'Why, how did you know all that?' she inquired. "'I know a lot of things,' replied the Scarecrow, winking at her comically. "'My brains are the carefully assorted, double-distilled, high-efficiency sort that the Wizard of Oz makes. He admits himself that my brains are the best he ever manufactured.' "'I think I've heard of you,' said Trot slowly, as she looked the Scarecrow over with much interest. "'But you used to live in the Land of Oz.' "'Oh, I do now,' he replied cheerfully. "'I've just come over the mountains from the Quadling country to see if I can be of any help to you.' "'Who, me?' asked Pon. "'No, the strangers from the big world. They seem to need looking after.' "'I'm doing that myself,' said Pon, a little ungraciously. "'If you will pardon me for saying so, I don't see how a scarecrow with painted eyes can look after anyone.' "'If you don't see that, you are more blind than the scarecrow,' asserted Trot. "'He's a fairy man, Pon, and comes from the fairyland of Oz, so he can do most anything. "'I hope,' she added, turning to the scarecrow, "'you can find Cap'n Bill for me.' "'I will try, anyhow,' he promised. "'But who is that old woman who is running toward us and shaking her stick at us?' Trot and Pon turned around, and both uttered an exclamation of fear. The next instant they took to their heels and ran fast up the path, for it was old Blinky the Wicked Witch, who had at last traced them to this place. Her anger was so great that she was determined not to abandon the chase of Pon and Trot until she had caught 
and punish them. The Scarecrow understood at once that the old woman meant harm to his new friends, so as she drew near he stepped before her. His appearance was so sudden and unexpected that Blinky ran into him and toppled him over, but she tripped on his straw body and went rolling in the path beside him. The Scarecrow sat up and said, I beg your pardon, but she whacked him with her stick and knocked him flat again. Then. Furious with rage, the old witch sprang upon her victim and began pulling the straw out of his body. The poor scarecrow was helpless to resist, and in a few moments all that was left of him was an empty suit of clothes and a heap of straw beside it. Fortunately Blinky did not harm his head, for it rolled into a little hollow and escaped her notice. Fearing that Pon and Trot would escape her, she quickly resumed the chase and disappeared over the brow of a hill, following the direction in which she had seen them go. Only a short time elapsed before a gray grasshopper with a wooden leg came hopping along and lit directly on the upturned face of the scarecrow's head. "'Pardon me, but you are resting yourself upon my nose,' remarked the scarecrow. Oh, are you alive?" asked the grasshopper. That is a question I have never been able to decide," said the scarecrow's head. When my body is perfectly stuffed, I have animation and can move around as well as any live person. The brains in the head you are now occupying as a throne are of very superior quality and do a lot of very clever thinking. But whether that is being alive or not I cannot prove to you. For one who lives is liable to death, while I am only liable to destruction. Seems to me, said the grasshopper, rubbing his nose with his front legs, that in your case it doesn't matter unless you're destroyed already. I am not. All I need is restuffing, declared the scarecrow. And if Pon and Trot escape the witch and come back here, I am sure they will do me that favor. Tell me, are Trot and Pon around here?" inquired the grasshopper, its small voice trembling with excitement. The scarecrow did not answer at once, for both his eyes were staring straight upward at a beautiful face that was slightly bent over his head. It was indeed Princess Gloria, who had wandered to this spot, very much surprised when she heard the scarecrow's head talk and the tiny gray grasshopper answer it. This, said the scarecrow, still staring at her, must be the princess who loves Pon, the gardener's boy. Oh, indeed, exclaimed the grasshopper, who of course was Cap'n Bill, as he examined the young lady curiously. No, said Gloria frigidly, I do not love Pon or anyone else, for the wicked witch has frozen my heart. What a shame! cried the scarecrow. One so lovely should be able to love. But would you mind, my dear, stuffing that straw into my body again? The dainty princess glanced at the straw and at the well-worn blue munchkin clothes and shrank back in disdain. But she was spared from refusing the scarecrow's request by the appearance of Trot and Pon who had hidden in some bushes just over the brow of the hill and waited until old Blinky had passed them by. Their hiding place was on the same side as the witch's blind eye, and she rushed on in the chase of the girl and the youth without being aware that they had tricked her. Trot was shocked at the scarecrow's sad condition and at once began putting the straw back into his body. Pon, at sight of Gloria, again appealed to her to take pity on him, but the frozen-hearted princess turned coldly away, and with a sigh the gardener's boy began to assist Trot. Neither of them at first noticed the small grasshopper, which at their appearance had skipped off the scarecrow's nose and was now clinging to a wisp of grass beside the path, where he was not likely to be stepped upon. Not until the scarecrow had been neatly restuffed and set upon his feet again, when he bowed to his restorers and expressed his thanks, did the grasshopper move from his perch. 
Then he leaped lightly into the path and called out, Trot! Trot! Look at me! I'm Cap'n Bill! See what the Wicked Witch has done to me! The voice was small, to be sure, but it reached Trot's ear and startled her greatly. She looked intently at the grasshopper, her eyes wide with fear at first. Then she knelt down, and, noticing the wooden leg, she began to weep sorrowfully. "'Oh, Cap'n Bill, dear Cap'n Bill, what a cruel thing to do!' she sobbed. "'Don't cry, Trot,' begged the grasshopper. "'It didn't hurt any, and it doesn't hurt now. But it's mighty inconvenient and humiliating, to say the least.' "'I wish,' said the girl indignantly, while trying hard to restrain her tears, "'that I was big enough and strong enough to give that horrid witch a good beating. She ought to be turned into a toad for doing this to you, Cap'n Bill.' "'Never mind,' urged the Scarecrow in a comforting voice. "'Such a transformation doesn't last always, and as a general thing there's some way to break the enchantment. I'm sure Glinda could do it in a jiffy.' "'Who is Glinda?' inquired Cap'n Bill. Then the Scarecrow told them all about Glinda, not forgetting to mention her beauty and goodness and her wonderful powers of magic. He also explained how the royal sorceress had sent him to Jinxland especially to help the strangers, whom she knew to be in danger because of the wiles of the cruel king and the wicked witch. End of chapter 15 Chapter 16 Pon Summons the King to Surrender Gloria had drawn near to the group to listen to their talk, and it seemed to interest her in spite of her frigid manner. They knew, of course, that the poor princess could not help being cold and reserved, so they tried not to blame her. "'I ought to have come here a little sooner,' said the Scarecrow regretfully. "'But Glinda sent me as soon as she discovered you were here and were likely to get into trouble. And now that we are all together, except Button Bright, over whom it is useless to worry, I propose we hold a council of war to decide what is best to be done.' That seemed a wise thing to do, so they all sat down upon the grass, including Gloria, and the grasshopper perched upon Trot's shoulder and allowed her to stroke him gently with her hand. "'In the first place,' began the Scarecrow, "'this King Cruel is a usurper, and has no right to rule this kingdom of Jinxland.' "'That is true,' said Pon eagerly. "'My father was king before him, and I—' "'You are a gardener's boy,' interrupted the Scarecrow. Your father had no right to rule either, for the rightful king of this land was the father of Princess Gloria, and only she is entitled to sit upon the throne of Jinxland. Good! exclaimed Trot. But what'll we do with King Cruel? I suppose he won't give up the throne unless he has to? No, of course not, said the Scarecrow. Therefore it will be our duty to make him give up the throne. How? asked Trot. "'Give me time to think,' was the reply. "'That's what my brains are for. I don't know whether you people ever think or not, but my brains are the best that the Wizard of Oz ever turned out, and if I give them plenty of time to work, the result usually surprises me.' "'Take your time, then,' suggested Trot. "'There's no hurry.' "'Thank you,' said the straw man and sat perfectly still for half an hour. During this interval the grasshopper whispered in Trot's ear, to which he was very close, and Trot whispered back to the grasshopper sitting upon her shoulder. Pon cast loving glances at Gloria, who paid not the slightest heed to them. Finally the scarecrow laughed aloud. "'Brains working?' inquired Trot. Yes, they seem in fine order today. We will conquer King Cruel and put Gloria upon his throne as Queen of Jinxland. Fine, cried the little girl, clapping her hands together gleefully. But how? 
"'Leave the how to me,' said the Scarecrow proudly. "'As a conqueror, I'm a wonder. "'We will, first of all, write a message to send to King Cruel, "'asking him to surrender. "'If he refuses, then we will make him surrender.' "'Why ask him when we know he'll refuse?' inquired Pon. "'Why, we must be polite whatever we do,' explained the Scarecrow. "'It would be very rude to conquer a king without proper notice.' They found it difficult to write a message without paper, pen, and ink, none of which was at hand. So it was decided to send Pon as a messenger, with instructions to ask the king politely but firmly to surrender. Pon was not anxious to be the messenger. Indeed, he hinted that it might prove a dangerous mission. But the Scarecrow was now the acknowledged head of the Army of Conquest, and he would listen to no refusal. So off Pon started for the King's castle, and the others accompanied him as far as his hut, where they decided to await the gardener's boy's return. I think it was because Pon had known the Scarecrow such a short time that he lacked confidence in the straw man's wisdom. It was easy to say, We will conquer King Cruel, but when Pon drew near to the great castle, he began to doubt the ability of a straw-stuffed man, a girl, a grasshopper, and a frozen-hearted princess to do it. As for himself, he had never thought of defying the king before. That was why the gardener's boy was not very bold when he entered the castle, and passed through to the enclosed court where the king was just then seated, with his favorite courtiers around him. None prevented Pon's entrance, because he was known to be the gardener's boy, but when the king saw him, he began to frown fiercely. He considered Pon to be to blame for all his trouble with Princess Gloria, who, since her heart had been frozen, had escaped to some unknown place, instead of returning to the castle to wed Googly Goo, as she had been expected to do. So the king bared his teeth angrily as he demanded, "'What have you done with Princess Gloria?' "'Nothing, Your Majesty. I have done nothing at all,' answered Pon in a faltering voice. "'She doesn't love me any more, and even refuses to speak to me.' "'Then why are you here, you rascal?' roared the king. Pon looked first one way, and then another, but saw no means of escape. So he plucked up courage. "'I am here to summon your majesty to surrender.' "'What?' shouted the king. "'Surrender? Surrender to whom?' Pon's heart sank to his boots. "'To the scarecrow,' he replied. Some of the courtiers began to titter, but King Cruel was greatly annoyed. He sprang up and began to beat poor Pon with the golden staff he carried. Pon howled lustily and would have run away had not two of the soldiers held him until His Majesty was exhausted with punishing the boy. Then they let him go when he left the castle and returned along the road, sobbing at every step, because his body was so sore and aching. "'Well,' said the Scarecrow, "'did the king surrender?' "'No, but he gave me a good drubbing,' sobbed poor Pon. Trot was very sorry for Pon, but Gloria did not seem affected in any way by her lover's anguish. The grasshopper leaped to the Scarecrow's shoulder and asked him what he was going to do next. "'Conquer,' was the reply. "'But I will go alone this time, for beatings cannot hurt me at all, nor can lance thrusts or sword cuts or arrow pricks.' "'Why is that?' inquired Trot. "'Because I have no nerves, such as you meat people possess. Even grasshoppers have nerves, but straw doesn't. So whatever they do, except just one thing, they cannot injure me. Therefore I expect to conquer King Cruel with ease.' "'What is the one thing you accepted?' asked Trot. "'They will never think of that, so never mind.' And now, if you will kindly excuse me for a time, 
I'll go over to the castle and do my conquering. You have no weapons, Pon reminded him. True, said the Scarecrow. But if I carried weapons, I might injure someone, perhaps seriously, and that would make me unhappy. I will just borrow that riding whip which I see in the corner of your hut, if you don't mind. It isn't exactly proper to walk with a riding whip, but I trust you will excuse the inconsistency. Pon handed him the whip, and the scarecrow bowed to all the party, and left the hut, proceeding leisurely along the way to the king's castle. End of chapter 16 Chapter 17 The Ark Rescues Button Bright I must now tell you what had become of Button Bright since he wandered away in the morning and got lost. This small boy, as perhaps you have discovered, was almost as destitute of nerves as the Scarecrow. Nothing ever astonished him much, nothing ever worried him or made him unhappy. Good fortune or bad fortune he accepted with a quiet smile, never complaining whatever happened. This was one reason why Button Bright was a favorite with all who knew him, and perhaps it was the reason why he so often got into difficulties or found himself lost. Today, as he wandered here and there over hill and down dale, he missed Trot and Cap'n Bill, of whom he was fond, but nevertheless he was not unhappy. The birds sang merrily, and the wild flowers were beautiful, and the breeze had a fragrance of new-mown hay. The only bad thing about this country is its king, he reflected, but the country isn't to blame for that. A prairie dog stuck its round head out of a mound of earth and looked at the boy with bright eyes. Walk around my house, please, it said, and then you won't harm it or disturb the babies. All right, answered Button Bright, and took care not to step on the mound. He went on whistling merrily until a petulant voice cried, Oh, stop it! Please stop that noise! It gets on my nerves! Button Bright saw an old gray owl sitting in the crotch of a tree, and he replied with a laugh, All right, old fussy! and stopped whistling until he had passed out of the owl's hearing. At noon he came to a farmhouse where an aged couple lived. They gave him a good dinner and treated him kindly, but the man was deaf and the woman was dumb, so they could answer no questions to guide him on the way to Pond's house. When he left them he was just as much lost as he had been before. Every grove of trees he saw from a distance he visited, for he remembered that the king's castle was near a grove of trees, and Pon's hut was near the king's castle. But always he met with disappointment. Finally, passing through one of these groves, he came out into the open and found himself face to face with the ark. "'Hello,' said Button Bright. "'Where did you come from?' "'From Orkland,' was the reply. "'I found my own country at last, and it is not far from here either. I would have come back to you sooner to see how you are getting along, had not my family and friends welcomed my return so royally that a great celebration was held in my honor. So I couldn't very well leave Orkland again until the excitement was over.' "'Can you find your way back home again?' asked the boy. "'Yes, easily, for now I know exactly where it is. But where are Trot and Cap'n Bill?' Button Bright related to the Ark their adventures since it had left them in Jinxland, telling of Trot's fear that the King had done something wicked to Cap'n Bill, and of Pon's love for Gloria, and how Trot and Button Bright had been turned out of the King's castle. That was all the news that the boy had, but it made the Ork anxious for the safety of his friends. "'We must go to them at once, for they may need us,' he said. "'I don't know where to go,' confessed Button Bright. "'I'm lost.' "'Well, 
I can take you back to the hut of the gardener's boy, promised the Ork, for when I fly high in the air I can look down and easily spy the king's castle. That was how I happened to spy you, just entering the grove, so I flew down and waited until you came out. How will you carry me? asked the boy. You'll have to sit straddle on my shoulders and put your arms around my neck. Do you think you can keep from falling off? I'll try, said Button Bright. So the Ork squatted down and the boy took his seat and held on tight. Then the skinny creature's tail began whirling, and up they went, far above all the treetops. After the Ork had circled around once or twice, its sharp eyes located the towers of the castle, and away it flew straight toward the place. As it hovered in the air nearby the castle, Button Bright pointed out Pon's hut, so they landed just before it and Trot came running out to greet them. Gloria was introduced to the Ark, who was surprised to find Captain Bill transformed into a grasshopper. "'How do you like it?' asked the creature. "'Why, it worries me a good deal,' answered Captain Bill, perched upon Trot's shoulder. "'I'm always afraid of being stepped on, and I don't like the flavor of grass, and can't seem to get used to it. It's my nature to eat grass, you know, but I begin to suspect it's an acquired taste.' "'Can you give molasses?' asked the Ork. "'I guess I'm not that kind of grasshopper,' replied Cap'n Bill. "'But I can't say what I might do if I was squeezed, which I hope I won't be.' "'Well,' said the Ork, "'it's a great pity, and I'd like to meet that cruel king and his wicked witch, and punish them both severely. You're awfully small, Cap'n Bill, but I think I would recognize you anywhere by your wooden leg.' Then the Ark and Button Bright were told all about Gloria's frozen heart, and how the Scarecrow had come from the Land of Oz to help them. The Ark seemed rather disturbed when it learned that the Scarecrow had gone alone to conquer King Cruel. "'I'm afraid he'll make a fizzle of it,' said the skinny creature, "'and there's no telling what that terrible king might do to the poor Scarecrow, who seems like a very interesting person.' So I believe I'll take a hand in this conquest myself. How? asked Trot. Wait and see, was the reply. But first of all I must fly home again, back to my own country. So if you'll forgive my leaving you so soon, I'll be off at once. Stand away from my tail, please, so that the wind from it, when it revolves, won't knock you over. They gave the creature plenty of room, and away it went like a flash, and soon disappeared in the sky. "'I wonder,' said Button Bright, looking solemnly after the Ark, "'whether he'll ever come back again.' "'Of course he will,' returned Trot. "'The Ark's a pretty good fellow, and we can depend on him. And mark my words, Button Bright, whenever our Ark does come back, there's one cruel king in Jinxland that'll wish he hadn't. End of chapter 17 Chapter 18 The Scarecrow Meets an Enemy The Scarecrow was not a bit afraid of King Cruel. Indeed, he rather enjoyed the prospect of conquering the evil king, and putting Gloria on the throne of Jinxland in his place. So he advanced boldly to the royal castle and demanded admittance. Seeing that he was a stranger, the soldiers allowed him to enter. He made his way straight to the throne room, where at that time His Majesty was settling the disputes among his subjects. "'Who are you?' demanded the king. I'm the Scarecrow of Oz, and I command you to surrender yourself my prisoner. Why should I do that? inquired the king, much astonished at the straw man's audacity. Because I've decided you are too cruel a king to rule so beautiful a country. You must remember that Jinxland is a part of Oz, and therefore you owe allegiance to Ozma of Oz, whose friend and servant I am. Now, when he heard this, K. 
King Cruel was much disturbed in mind, for he knew the Scarecrow spoke the truth. But no one had ever before come to Jinxland from the land of Oz, and the King did not intend to be put out of his throne if he could help it. Therefore he gave a harsh, wicked laugh of derision, and said, I'm busy now. Stand out of my way, Scarecrow, and I'll talk with you by and by. But the Scarecrow turned to the assembled courtiers and people, and called in a loud voice, I hereby declare, in the name of Ozma of Oz, that this man is no longer ruler of Jinxland. From this moment Princess Gloria is your rightful queen, and I ask all of you to be loyal to her and to obey her commands. The people looked fearfully at the king, whom they all hated in their hearts, but likewise feared. Cruel was now in a terrible rage, and he raised his golden scepter and struck the scarecrow so heavy a blow that he fell to the floor. But he was up again in an instant, and with Pon's riding whip he switched the king so hard that the wicked monarch roared with pain as much as with rage, calling on his soldiers to capture the scarecrow. They tried to do that, and thrust their lances and swords into the straw body, but without doing any damage except to make holes in the scarecrow's clothes. However, they were many against one, and finally old Googly Goo brought a rope which he wound around the scarecrow, binding his legs together and his arms to his sides, and after that the fight was over. The king stormed and danced around in a dreadful fury, for he had never been so switched since he was a boy, and perhaps not then. He ordered the scarecrow thrust into the castle prison, which was no task at all, because one man could carry him easily bound as he was. Even after the prisoner was removed, the king could not control his anger. He tried to figure out some way to be revenged upon the straw man, but could think of nothing that could hurt him. At last, when the terrified people and the frightened courtiers had all slunk away, old Googly Goo approached the king with a malicious grin upon his face. "'I'll tell you what to do,' said he. "'Build a big bonfire and burn the scarecrow up, <laughs> and that will be the end of him.' The king was so delighted with this suggestion that he hugged old Googly Goo in his joy. "'Of course!' he cried. "'The very thing! Why did I not think of it myself?' So he summoned his soldiers and retainers, and bade them prepare a great bonfire in an open space in the castle park. Also he sent word to all his people to assemble, and witness the destruction of the Scarecrow, who had dared to defy his power. Before long a vast throng gathered in the park, and the servants had heaped up enough fuel to make a fire that might be seen for miles away, even in the daytime. When all was prepared, the king had his throne brought out for him to sit upon and enjoy the spectacle, and then he sent his soldiers to fetch the scarecrow. Now the one thing in all the world that the straw man really feared was fire. He knew he would burn very easily, and that his ashes wouldn't amount to much afterward. It wouldn't hurt him to be destroyed in such a manner, but he realized that many people in the land of Oz, and especially Dorothy and the royal Ozma, would feel sad if they learned that their old friend the Scarecrow was no longer in existence. In spite of this the straw man was brave, and faced his fiery fate like a hero. When they marched him out before the concourse of people, he turned to the king with great calmness and said, The wicked deed, this wicked deed, will cost you your throne, as well as much suffering, for my friends will avenge my destruction. 
Your friends are not here, nor will they know what I have done to you, <laughs> when you are gone and cannot tell them," answered the king in a scornful voice. Then he ordered the scarecrow bound to a stout stake that he had had driven into the ground, and the materials for the fire were heaped all around him. When this had been done, the king's brass band struck up a lively tune, and old Googly Goo came forward with a lighted match, and set fire to the pile. At once the flame shot up and crept closer and closer toward the scarecrow. The king and all his people were so intent upon this terrible spectacle that none of them noticed how the sky grew suddenly dark. Perhaps they thought that the loud buzzing sound, like the noise of a dozen moving railway trains, came from the blazing faggots, that the rush of wind was merely a breeze. But suddenly down swept a flock of orcs, half a hundred of them at the least, and the powerful currents of air caused by their revolving tails sent the bonfires scattering in every direction, so that not one burning brand ever touched the scarecrow. But that was not the only effect of this sudden tornado. King Cruel was blown out of his throne and went tumbling heels overhead until he landed with a bump against the stone wall of his own castle, and before he could rise a big orc sat upon him and held him pressed flat to the ground. Old Googly Goo shot up into the air like a rocket and landed on a tree, where he hung by the middle on a high limb, kicking the air with his feet and clawing the air with his hands, and howling for mercy like the coward he was. The people pressed back until they were jammed close together, while all the soldiers were knocked over and sent sprawling to the earth. The excitement was great for a few minutes, and every frightened inhabitant of Jinxland looked with awe and amazement at the great arks whose descent had served to rescue the Scarecrow and conquer King Cruel at one and the same time. The Ark, who was the leader of the band, soon had the Scarecrow free of his bonds. Then he said, "'Well, we were just in time to save you, which is better than being a minute too late. You are now the master here, and we are determined to see your orders obeyed.' With this, the Ark picked up Cruel's golden crown, which had fallen off his head, and placed it upon the head of the Scarecrow, who in his awkward way then shuffled over to the throne and sat down in it. Seeing this, a rousing cheer broke from the crowd of people, who tossed their hats and waved their handkerchiefs and hailed the Scarecrow as their king. The soldiers joined the people in the cheering for now they fully realized that their hated master was conquered, and it would be wise to show their good will to the conqueror. Some of them bound Cruel with ropes and dragged him forward, dumping his body on the ground before the scarecrow's throne. Googly Goo struggled until he finally slid off the limb of the tree and came tumbling to the ground. He then tried to sneak away and escape. But the soldiers seized and bound him beside Cruel. "'The tables are turned,' said the Scarecrow, swelling out his chest until the straw within it crackled pleasantly. For he was highly pleased. But it was you and your people who did it, friend Ark, and from this time you may count me your humble servant. End of chapter 18 Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to part four of The Scarecrow of Oz. I hope you're enjoying the story so far. I don't know about you, but Button Bright sometimes irritates me. And I'm like, why is Button Bright in so many stories? Button Bright? I don't know. Isn't there any other characters that could fill Button Bright's spot? Anyway, if you have any ideas or disagree with me about Button Bright, uh, why don't you contact us? We're on Facebook at... Uh, KZOM Oleander, Oregon. Just look for us. We're at KZOM 1130 AM. 
And rate, review, subscribe. Anywhere that you find podcatchers, um, let people know about the show and support however you can. Thank you so much. Check the show notes to find out who else you can help. And be cool, be clean, don't be a jerk, and thank you so much for listening. All right.